0: Good morning, Access. Good morning. morning. Good morning. morning. <laughs> I love interaction. So forgive me if you're not very interactive. I, I, I am. But it's such a pleasure, it's such a blessing to be here this morning. And so, Father, I give you thanks and praise. Father, I just humble myself under your mighty hand. And I say, Father God, have your way with me this day. Cleanse me, purify me, forgive me of anything, God, that I've done, said in word or thought or deed that has not brought you pleasure. And Father God, I lift your people. Father God, may their hearts be prepared for your words. And may I speak only what you would have me to say. Oh God, today, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. And I declare that your hearts are prepared. I cage every bird that will come to steal the word. The word of God says that when the word comes, the birds come to steal the word. I declare this word will not be stolen today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The vow. And I want us to see this morning ourselves. You know, so the last four four uh, sessions, sorry, we were talking about couples But this morning, I want us all, male and female, to see ourselves as the bride. We are the bride. Christ, he is the groom. And so this morning, you know, you don't get to excuse yourself from this word and say, well, you know, God is just talking to the women or God is just talking to the men. This morning, if you are a part of the body of Christ, then this is a word for you, both male and female. Hallelujah. We are all the bride of Christ. I have a few slides, I believe. Yeah. Okay. So a vow is a solemn pledge or promise made by an individual that he or she will do something. And every one of us can attest that we have made a vow at some point in time. This morning, we, we heard Amy uh, lead us in the song of day and night, night and day. You know, let incense arise. Our, there is an incense in our vow because there is an incense in our obedience. And if you've made a vow, we ought to be obedient to that vow. Psalm 50 verse 14 says, offer unto God thanksgiving and prayer the vows unto the Most High. Next. These are three uh, things the Lord laid on my heart in terms of when we make a vow. One, some of us we've made a vow, but we used it like a bargaining chip. You know, we said to God, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you just get me out of this situation, if you just deliver me from this moment, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give that. I'm going to help. And then what happened? Did we honor our vow? A vow is not to be used as a bargaining chip because later on, we're going to see there are consequences to making a vow that you don't honor. So when you say to God, "I'm going to do something," or you say to another, know that it comes with both good and evil. The second point is the heart and the intent with which you make the vow. Are you making a vow out of the goodness of your heart? Is is it pure? Is it out of the pureness of your heart? Or do you have other motives? A vow reflects who you are. How much do you honor the person or that you're making the vow to? Are you honoring your, yourself? Because if you don't uh, honor the vow, then you yourself, you know, you're putting yourself in a negative place for people to look at you in the wrong way. So the vow must not be a bargaining chip. Your heart must be in the right place and the vow will reflect who you are. Hallelujah. We are looking at the power of the vow. There, there's power in making a vow. You know, sometimes we we don't think about it. But Genesis chapter 28 and verse 20 to 22, we see here where Jacob, and it reads, and Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat, raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, Then shall the Lord be my God. What a powerful vow. And in that vow, we see God's protection. He is making a vow and he's asking God for his protection. God, if you will keep me in this way, if you will be with me, and I'll show you the power of the vow. When he he, uh, had gone to serve his uncle Laban and he was now on his way back home, Laban met him in the way with his sons. And Laban's intent was not good. But there was a vow standing in the heavens that was answering for him. So when Laban met him and his family along the way, the vow spoke for him. Laban had to change his intent because he had already said, God, if you keep me in the way. And so that vow spoke for him and Laban was unable to do what he intended. Even his sons intended to harm Jacob because they're saying here, you've got our sisters, you've got our wealth. We want it back. But there was a vow and there is power in the vow. I want you to begin to think of some vows you've made. All of us have made them at one point or another, and maybe that vow is what has kept you. Maybe that vow is intending uh, on keeping you in some situation that is about to arise. Even when his brother met him on the way, when he was coming back home, his brother came with an army of 400 men. He was well-trained. He'd gone to live with his uncle, and he had known, he knew warfare. So here he was. That's why when Jacob was coming, he set his family apart. He sent his, his workers ahead with the animals, and he stayed back with the children. He says, perchance that I don't come in peace. You see, for a moment, he forgot the vow he had made and not recognized that vow was answering for him. That vow was still active. It had been many years, but the vow was still active. And so here it was, God's protection was revealed in the vow. God kept him in the way. He kept him from his enemies, destroying him. We will also see in this same scripture God's provision and will give, and if He will give you me bread to eat and raiment and put on and raiment to put on. Here, God was giving provision. So in the vow, there was a component of provision, there was a component of protection, and there was a component of prosperity. Here, Jacob commits his prosperity to God. And in Genesis 30 and 25 to 35, It says he returned. And what did he return with? He returned with two wives. He returned with children, sheep, goat, camels, and donkeys, male and female servants. Even though when he left, he left with nothing. The God's prosperity was locked in the vow that he made when he was on his way out. That's why I'm saying, if you've made a vow to God, I want you to Maybe you might not be able to do it here. But when you are at home, take a moment to think of that vow. Remember what you promised to God. Remember what you promised maybe to a friend, a family member. Because there is protection, provision, prosperity, and so much more locked in the vow. That's why when we make vows, the marriage vows, when we accepted Christ, that was our marriage ceremony. You know, did you think of it like that? When you accepted Christ, that was your marriage ceremony. That was the moment that you said, yes, I'm taking you. Because you said yes to salvation. You said yes to eternal life. You said, you said yes to Christ being Lord of your life, Master, King. You're everything. That's what you did when you said, I will accept Jesus Christ whether it was in a church, in your home, in your car, you accepted the groom. You accepted the relationship. You accepted all that comes with the relationship. So if you would deal with God, you would deal with Jesus in, in, a, in such a manner that he, he's given everything for you. He's done everything for you. Why do we limit what we will do for each other? if we begin to see God in each other, we begin to see Christ in each other, we'll deal with each other differently. Because what you, what you would give thought to, or you should be giving thought to all of your actions, how does this honor God? Then you ought to be out wondering, how does this honor my spouse? How does this honor my son, my daughter? Would I do this to Christ? You know, a lot of us, we're, we're, we're obviously in our homes and we have our secret stuff going on. But in your secret stuff, is it something that you would do to Christ? Is it something you would say to Christ? Sometimes, you know, we become angry and bitter and, and things come out of our mouths that are not pleasant to each other. And we ought to be thinking every moment would I say this to God? Would I say this to Christ Jesus? Would I say this to the Holy Spirit? You know, over time, these are things that come with practice. Initially, when I got married, you know, sometimes if my husband did something, I would begin to ponder on it and I would think, well, why would you do such a thing? And one day, I remember thinking to myself and saying to myself, you know what? Every time he does something that I think, because it's just my opinion, and I've learned that my opinion is not necessarily God's opinion. Yeah. No, once I had a disagreement with my son. I have a 35-year-old son. And God said to me, who said you're right? Who says he's right? There's only my right. And it's not always according to what you think. So let me burst your bubbles, because many of you think it's what I think and what I feel. And the world is perpetuating that nonsense. And that's why as believers, we cannot succumb to this nonsense of the world. Because there's only one right, and that's God's right. And so... I purposed in my heart, whenever the enemy brings, or I decide, because sometimes you blame the the enemy for things that are not him. But whenever I decide to think of something he's done negatively, I'm going to reverse this. I'm going to think of something he's done good. And I've practiced that for the last 10 years. So if something happens, I don't think on it. I grab the reins of my mind. And I begin to think of what he's done that's good, how supportive he is. Unfortunately, he had to return home. He'll be back to Guatemala soon, but I can guarantee you he is online watching. He's been up since four o'clock praying. How can I not think of these things? What so what if he forgot to move the towel or he forgot to pick his clothes up or he, he forgot whatever? When I think of the person who will stay up all night, I'd never forget this experience when my dad died. I, I, my dad lived in New York. I'd been back to Barbados. And the word came, but I wasn't at home that my dad had passed. And my brother told my husband, I don't know how I will tell her, so you're going to have to tell her. And when I came in and he told me, I sat on the floor. It must have been about 6 p.m. in the evening. I sat there and I lied there till 6 a.m. in the morning and he never moved. He never moved. He held me the entire night. So what if he made some mistake that I can't forgive? What have you done that Christ is unwilling to forgive? There's nothing you've done that Christ is not prepared to forgive you for. There's nothing that you can say or do that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Neither height nor depth, principalities, powers, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Why would you let anything separate your relationship? There is nothing that cannot be repaired. There is nothing that cannot be forgiven. The same way you deal with heaven, let us learn to deal with each other. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We look to just now at the power of the blessing. Now I want to look at the, the blessing that the vow brings. There is a blessing that comes with the vow. First Samuel 1. Verses, I'm going to read verse 11, verse 20, and verse 22. Here we see the vow of Hannah. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on my affliction, on on the affliction of thy handmaiden, and remember me, and forget not thy handmaiden, but will give Unto thy handmaid and a man child that I will give unto him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after Hannah had conceived that she bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. But Hannah went up not, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up unto the child is we, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. What a, what a covenant, what a vow, what a covenant she made with God. You know, here she is. And the blessing that comes with the vow she asks for a child she's bearing, or oh, that's the news that's going around, the news that she's bearing, she doesn't have a child. She prays, she seeks a, she's seeking God year after year for this child. And here we see in chapter two, but Hannah, right, in terms of her not having the child, but there is rejoicing. And Hannah. Prayed and said, My heart, this is 1 Samuel 2, verse 2. I'll just go ahead and read. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted. In the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Here, rejoicing is a part of the blessing. Uh, uh, when you make a vow, you get to rejoice. When there is when when it is met on both sides, there is rejoicing. There, there, you know, there's excitement. Uh, you are able to r- share the good news with others that you are. You can now rejoice because God has. Uh, met covenant with your vow. God has honored your vow. You have kept your end of the bargain and God has also kept his. You, another component of the blessing of the vow is it removed her shame. You see, she suffered with childlessness, as I said, but childlessness was now removed from her. The talk of the tongue was that she was barren. That was the story. And many have heard that same story, you know, uh, that you are not able to have a child, there is barrenness. But can I say to you, sorry, just mic check. Yes. Uh, The blessing of the vow removes the shame. And so here it is that She was ashamed. You know, she had no children. And so we know in every culture, that's a big, big thing of not having children. But God removed her shame. There was restoration uh, locked up in the vow. And that restoration didn't only come to Hannah, but it came to all Israel it was a time and a season, let me set the atmosphere. There was a time and a season there was no prophetic word from the Lord. Without prophetic insight, if people run wild, well, that's, that's Proverbs. You know, you have, you, there, there's a measure of the prophetic word that you need to have in your life. And that a nation needs to have. And so here it was, uh, there was no prophetic word in Israel. And God had a plan to restore you see, when there's restoration, uh, God had a greater, a greater idea than Hannah. Hannah only wanted to fulfill her flesh. She just wanted a, a child to take away her shame. She wanted a child to take away, uh, you know, the gossip. She wanted a child to impress, but God had a greater plan. You know, I always say there is no barrenness. It is that... The, the appointed moment for that womb has not come as yet. The womb has a moment. You know, we think that having children are random. They're not. Even when they're out of wedlock, there's specific purpose to it. You know, when Hannah got beyond herself, and her vow was able to connect to God's prophetic plan then she was she had a child because this is just my my take on it if you're barren you're barren you're you're absolutely there's no way you're unable to you're you're able to have a child but some wombs, god is just waiting for the appointed time where are you in your timeline and it's not just a natural child god is calling many of you to give birth To spiritual things, God is giving is calling you to give birth to spiritual children, spiritual to ministries, to to different works in the earth. But are you allowing God to prepare your womb, or have you become disheartened? Have you become frustrated? Have you become uh, unbelieving in what God intends to do? I want to encourage you this morning wait on the Lord, connect. That to that vow, connect to that promise, connect to that covenant, and stay remain steadfast. When the appointed time comes, you will be able to give birth. My third point this morning is the results of a broken vow, and we're going to look at three different uh, sections of the Bible. An unkept promise, an unkept promise or unkept vow has consequences. Many of us today, we're blaming, you know, our family. We're blaming the enemy. We're blaming all kinds of people in our lives because things are happening. And sometimes we don't stop to think, have I made a vow that I've not fulfilled? I'll show you from Scripture their consequences. So while you are thinking it's something else, you have to, when I was doing this message, I had to do a search. Are there vows outstanding that I've not kept? Are there things that I have not honored that maybe it's causing a reaction in the realm of the spirit? See, if you only look at the natural, your response is always going to be in a natural way. As it's not by might. It's not by power. It's not only flesh and blood. But we have to recognize whether you want to or not, there is a spiritual realm. And before it happens in the natural, it is in the spirit. You go right back to Genesis chapter 1. Sorry, chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, before it was in the earth, when God was creating, that everything existed somewhere else before it was in the earth. You can go, you check it. It says all the plants, the herbs, everything, they were somewhere. They were in heaven before he placed them in the earth. So there is a realm before it comes to the natural. And, we've, and we were also in that realm because that's where we were created. Genesis 1 and 26, God created he male and female. Then he formed and made us in the earth. But before that, we were in eternity with God. And then he just brought us into the natural. He brought us into time. and so you like i said we've got to begin to understand that we have to move beyond the natural to deal with some matters judges 11 and verse 30 and 31 when you make a careless vow okay That's my next one. I'll I'll just read it from my computer. Judges 11 verse 30 and 31 says, And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatsoever coming forth out of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering and we can go a little further down and chapter this is verse uh, 34 and chapter came home uh, he came to his house and basically his daughter was the first thing to meet him when you make a careless vow even generations can be impacted. Your bloodline can be cut off. So here Jephthah is one of the judges of Israel. He's gone out to war. And in the midst of the, the battle, he says, God, if you will give me victory, I'm going to offer a sacrifice. Do you know? He, he, he didn't know what will meet him. And that's why I call it a careless vow. It was a vow he made That wasn't only pertaining to himself, but it would impact someone else. When you make a vow, you have to be very careful because it's going to impact others. When you make a vow and you get married, whatever happens in your marriage, it's going to impact your children. It's going to impact your grandchildren. It's going to impact for generations. It's going to affect your bloodline, what you do. You know, sometimes we say, well, I can do whatever I want to do. No, you can't. Because your children, your grandchildren are watching. I I, I remember this. My granddaughter, she maybe was about four or five years old. We just went on a day out and the rain began to, to fall. And she said, Grandma, tell the rain to stop falling. I said, no, let's tell the rain to stop falling. And we looked to the heavens and we pointed and we commanded the clouds to shut up. And they did. And can I tell you that when she went home, every time for the next month or more, the rain would fall. She would step out onto the patio, look to the heavens, and command the rain to cease. And even her mom said to me, we need some rain. You got to tell her to stop rain. Because it would stop every time. And out of that, she developed the mentality that whenever I call on God, God answers. And so my husband burnt his hand one day and she was at our house and she ran over and she said, Grandma, Grandma, come quickly. I prayed and Grandpa is still in pain. And I said, "Okay, but sometimes it just takes time. She says, no, Grandma, join your faith to my faith. It impacts. You can't think what you're doing is not impacting your family, your friends, your neighbors, your workplace. It impacts. So you have to be very mindful. God always has to be on your heart. God always has to be on your mind. The reason why sometimes our minds are stressed so much is because we allow it to be preoccupied with other things other than God. I, don't, I, 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 pr- I, I practice not allowing my mind to think on too many things or, or on things too much. Because if I am not uh, praying, I'm, I'm rehearsing the scriptures in my mind. I'm doing something that's related to heaven because I want to keep my spirit in check. Otherwise, I'm going to worry about the things. I'm going to worry about the bill. I'm going to worry about my children. Oh, I don't think they're serving God how I want them to serve God. I'm going to be thinking, oh, my neighbor this. I'm going to be thinking all kinds of things. But see, if I'm thinking on the word of God, if I am focusing on prayer, I don't have the time to think on these things. I'm thinking on whatsoever is true, whatsoever is just, and whatsoever is lovely. I'm thinking on these things. And so my spirit is always in a particular kind of place. So when I enter a place and my spirit feels, uh, I do a self-check or a place check. Because your spirit will tell you what's going on. So we must be careful when we make a careless vow. We should not offer to God things that don't bring him pleasure. Whether Jephthah sacrificed his daughter or not, and that's debatable. God was, would never be interested in that sacrifice. So let's be very mindful of what we vow. Judges 13 and verse 5. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor should come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall be to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. And here we are talking about Samson. Samson's life is the result of a broken vow. There is a vow that was made. The angel came and told his mother, give her the instructions. But here it was, Samson broke the protocol of the vow. Samson released the secret of his power. And what did it cause? It caused his arrest, his imprisonment, His eyes to be put out, for him to be made fun of. It all happened because of the result of a broken vow. We have to be so mindful. Sometimes God has said something to us. And we have to be very careful who we repeat that something to. We have to, because sometimes you don't know their intent. Be very careful and be sure who you're going to share your information with. Their results. And they're not always positive. But I want to encourage you to surround yourself with positive people. So when you do share, it's somebody who's going to say, Oh, Pastor Fontaine, come, let's pray. You know, that's going to say, Steve, come, let me help you. Let me get behind you. I'm going to call you every week. The Lord has told you to do such and such. I'm going to call you every week to make sure you're doing it. Surround yourself with the right type of people. Not people who are searching your secret and to know your, your weaknesses. Because... When they find your weakness, them in turn, maybe they don't have the personal intentions of bringing you harm, but they're just being used as a conduit to get the information to the right person who might have another agenda. So be mindful who you tell your secrets to. And if you are committed to your relationship with Christ Jesus, he's going to speak things to you. He's going to tell you what he wants you to do. He's going to tell you where he wants you to go. And you have to sometimes guard that information because it's going to be a matter of whether it comes to pass or it doesn't. My final point this morning before we go into prayer is Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. And I entitled that an unfulfilled vow. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. Remember when we started out with Psalm 50, give unto God thanks. Thanks thanksgiving and here it is we're ending with thanksgiving a voice of thanksgiving i will pay that that i have owed salvation is of the lord a little backstory just in case you don't know god jonah is a prophet god calls him to go to a city called nineveh nineveh is in a back city a black a backslidden state. Nineveh, there, there are literally dead bodies in the streets. There's prostitution like crazy. There's all kinds of things going on in Nineveh. And God, the stench of the sin of Nineveh has risen so high in the nostrils of God. God is judging. It has decreed a judgment on Nineveh. But God would never judge unless he sends a warning. God never Uh, judges unless he sends word after word caution after caution and so he sends he says to Jonah go to Nineveh and preach repentance Jonah decides God I already know you you are not going to judge these people because perchance that they should repent you will change your mind and as a prophet I don't intend to be embarrassed you know, this is the conversation Jonah is having with himself, and he determines no. So he gets on a ship to Tarsus, and a storm begins on the sea, and Jonah is asleep. All the others are on, are, who are on board are all anxious. They're afraid, but Jonah is asleep. They wake him up and they says, you know what, it must be you. Because they're now de- trying to determine who's the cause of this storm. And it turns out they all know. And Jonah confesses, it's me. He says, throw me overboard. He, they throw him overboard. And Jonah says this vow, uh, repeats this prayer while he's in the, whale, in the belly of the whale. Because... He, has, he is walking in disobedience. He's not been obedient to the vow he made to God. Because as a prophet, th- there was a vow. As a prophet, as, as wherever God, whatever God has, area God has called you into, there's an agreement between you and God. There's an agreement that you have to fulfill. I mean, there are many of you here who God has called you to this nation, You have a covenant, you have a vow outstanding with God because there are certain things God is expecting you to do while you are here. There are areas and regions God has assigned you to in your ministry here in Guatemala. And God is expecting you to change the atmosphere, change the climate of that area, those group of people, that section of society. And so there is a vow that we enter into when we enter into ministry with God. When we begin to partner with God, you're entering into a vow with God. You're saying, I'm going to honor where you have sent me. I'm going to do what you have called me to do in the area, the region, or the people that you have sent me to. But here it was, Jonah was unprepared to go. And so he was being repaired. He was being rebellious. He was being disobedient. And he brought calamity to others. When you miss the mark, when you miss the mark, others are impacted. And so this morning, I want to pray a prayer over you. That maybe there is looming somewhere a vow you made that you didn't remember that you've not kept. And like I said, certain effects may be happening in your life and you don't recognize it's coming from there. But this morning we want to cancel whatever ill effects are happening based on the vows we've made that we've not kept. The vows we made to each other and we didn't honor. You know, sometimes we, we meet someone and we say, I'm gonna call you. You know, or I feel the Lord saying, let's be prayer partners. And and you did it maybe for two or three weeks and then you said, Ah, uh, I'm tired. And so you've not honored that commitment. You know, maybe God said, I want you to bless somebody in some way. Have them over for dinner. Or maybe give them something financially or whatever whatever area it is. I'm going to let us have a moment of silence. And I want you to think and allow the Holy Spirit to remind you. If there is an area in your life that you have not honored. There's a vow that you have not met the commitments of that vow in every area of your life, every, every area of your life. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the King. Father God, this morning we give you thanks for your word. Father God, we search the the depths of our hearts, our souls, and our minds this morning. And we say, Father and God, wherever we have not honored the vow, wherever we have not honored the covenant, We're asking you, mighty God, to forgive us. But Lord, if you will bring it to our memory, surely we will take that step back and meet and honor that commitment. Oh God, this morning we honor the commitment of marriage to you first and foremost. Jesus, our groom. Jesus, our savior. Our Lord. Our master. Our king. We honor that covenant. That vow. That we will serve you. All the days of our lives. In our ups and in our downs, in our good times and our bad times, we will praise your name. Father God, this morning, we look into our lives, we look into the book of our lives, look at the blessing that comes with the vow we thank you we rejoice over the great things that you have done for us the great things you have provided for us the great opportunities you have made possible to us we look into the book of our lives this morning oh god and we thank you for the power of the vow. We thank you that you are an honorable God. You have not left us, neither have you forsaken us, O God. We thank you that you are always true to your word. Always, always true to your word, O God. You are always true. You are always, always true truth is in your bowels truth is in your belly truth is in your mouth to us oh God the truth of your promises oh God we stand sure upon this morning we stand secure for you are the living God you are the righteous one is who you are. We embrace your truth this morning oh God. We thank you. We thank you. Father God this morning I lift this bride before you. Every person sitting here they are a part of your bride. They are your bride, they are, we are your wife, oh God. And we honor you as our husband. We honor you, oh God. We thank you for you being present in us, with us, in our relationships. in the most inner parts of us. This morning, God, there's nothing you can hide. You or I sitting here in access can hide from God. There is no secret compartment. There's no secret closet of your heart that God cannot access. No secret. There is nothing you've said that you thought he might have forgotten. Or you hope that God has forgotten. Because how we deal with each other is how we deal with God. Don't fool yourself. You know, oftentimes we think, well, I, I, I I'm I'm great with God, but I'm not great with my wife or my children. Or my brother or my sister, no way. How we treat each other reflects how we treat God. And what is the stage of our relationship? So this morning, Father God, I thank you for every marriage present here the natural marriages. Father God, I pray that we will begin to see each other through the eyes of Christ. We will deal with with each other as we would want to deal with you, mighty God. Father God, this morning I pray that we will come to a place of forgiveness, to forgive one another for all of our shortcomings, all of our mistakes, because you honor us and you forgive us. May we forgive each other. Father God, I declare the blessing of the Lord over your people, each and every one of you, wherever you are this morning, wherever life meets you today. I decree and I declare the blessing of the Lord that's rich that does not add sorrow is your portion I decree and I declare today over your homes that there is peace that there is prosperity but your peace is not based on your prosperity but there is that place of peace you each have and collectively as family that we all have.